McHenry, and joining us today on this Ponars Eurasia podcast is Arturis Rosanes, an assistant professor at New York University. Thank you so much for joining me for this Ponars podcast. Based on your research, what are the ways in which Russian state-controlled media manipulates information? So in our research, we tried to test several hypotheses as to what they could be doing. And we had some very surprising results. So in particular, in, uh, in our research, we were focusing on uh, the way Russian media could potentially manipulate economic news and the coverage of economic news, which is a very important topic for uh, a ruler like Putin, who consistently is trying to position himself uh, as a competent economic manager, who is supposed to stay in his office on that merit and on that basis. A lot of his political support is coming from this image as a, as a competent economic manager. And uh, so Russia, as any other country, experiences uh, economic downturns. And so the question we asked was whether those economic downturns would be censored or information about those economic downturns would be distorted in a particular way. So the first, uh, I think, most interesting result that we got was that actually, surprisingly, there is very little censorship. At least the type of censorship that one could detect given the available tools. So that was very surprising. Uh, in other words, we expected to see much more coverage of good economic news relative to bad economic news when those news happen. And what we found that the coverage, in fact, is quite symmetric. And we do, do not think that indicates a systematic distortion of uh, measurable economic reality. The second most interesting thing that we found in our research was that the key strategy that we think is used, the key strategy of information manipulation is actually quite subtle in that it would be very blunt to distort or hide bad economic news. A much more subtle way which we think is being used systematically in Russian media is to do what we call selective attribution. That is to present bad news if bad news happen, but then attribute those bad news to factors other than Putin and other than Russian government. Like for example, global economic events, global economic forces, the behavior of uh, Western European or American governments, and things like that. That is something that cannot be directly attributed to Putin. But on the other hand, when good events happen, also Russian media reports them with similar frequency, but tends to attribute them in much, much higher proportions to Russian government, especially uh, Vladimir Putin. Do we know how information broadcasted by the Russian media affects politics in and outside of Russia? We know a little bit and we should know more and there should be more research done on that. But the research that has been done so far has shown that, in fact, there are quite substantial uh, effects of Russian media, both inside Russia and outside Russia. So inside Russia, there have been uh, several papers, not by myself, but by other scholars, uh, showing that it did have an effect on, on political behavior, on voting in elections, and on attitudes towards uh, uh, Putin and Russian government. In our research, we looked at the different dimension, which is much more popular right now, which is to look at the international influence of Russian media. And so we used the, the example of Ukraine after the Crimean uh, crisis 
and the coverage of Ukrainian affairs on Russian media and how that coverage actually affected the attitudes and behavior of Ukrainians who received and watched Russian television. And so what we found from that research that, in fact, despite, despite the fact that Russian media is quite conspicuous in, in, in its biases against Ukraine, we have shown and we have found that there are quite significant effects on attitudes and political behavior. That is, people who receive and watch Russian television are more likely to support political forces that are friendly to Russia, less likely to support political forces that favor westernization of Ukraine. And those people also are more likely to think about the conflict in eastern Ukraine and exactly the terms that are being used on Russian media. And the second most important thing about the effect that we found is that actually it, it really depends in a quite significant way of who is being targeted and who receives the news from Russian media. In that if people already have proclivity to support the Russian position, they will be persuaded to quite extended, extensive degree by the messages that they receive. But a people who, who share very different views, right, who are more pro-Western, who tend historically not to support pro-Russian, pro-Kremlin parties in Ukraine, we find sort of mixed evidence that either they are not persuaded at all by the messages uh, from Russian media, that is, either they are not swayed in any way, or in fact, they are dissuaded. In fact, exposure to Russian media strengthens their anti-Russian and anti-Kremlin views. So we think that's the most interesting result of our studies that exposing a society which is already polarized as Ukraine has historically been and still is, exposing such society to biased media produces even more polarization. So I think that is the most important and sometimes overlooked effect. Finally, in your view, what are the most important questions related to Russian media influence for which we do not have good answers for? So in fact, if we take a wider view uh, on the research from psychology and many other fields. So psychologists have studied whether, for example, correcting people's uh, uh, views with factual information actually does the job. And the findings are at best very mixed. In other words, we do not really believe, or at least to, to the degree that it is possible to prove, we don't really believe that checking people's opinions by presenting them with facts will actually sway them in correct direction. We don't know, maybe that will, that is actually working in case of, of Russian media, but we need a consistent empirical experimental research to prove that point. And probably one could come up with a different array of strategies to counter misinformation campaigns, but those should be based on, on evidence, and on, preferably on experimental large-scale evidence. So I think that is the most important practical and academic challenge. Fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thank you very much.